Welcome to this message from Life Assembly, a thriving church in the northwest suburbs of Minneapolis. Please visit us online at lifemn.org for more information. And now join us as we pursue Jesus together. So Jesus tells us that the loving God, that loving God with all of our hearts, with all of our souls, with all of our mind and spirit, and loving our neighbor as ourself fulfills the law and fulfills the prophet. That means that after the sin of man that we see in Genesis 3, that sin separated us from God. God used, from that point on, different representatives to speak through. God identified people. Some were called judges. Some were priests. Some were prophets. And he spoke through them to communicate to the people. His plans and word to God's people, and these were, this was Israel, he did this to prosper them, not hurt them. Prosper them, not hurt them. I've heard through the years many times when people hear, well, the Bible is a set of rules. No, they're a set of guidelines. Like, have you ever gone bowling? And even if you're a grown person and you see the kids with the bumpers, you kind of wish you had the bumpers, Right? And, and God created these bumpers to come up and say, this is not to harm you so you can, you know, not have fun. They're to protect you. They're to keep you from the gutter. A couple amens in there. <laughs> so during the Old Testament, what was happening is there began to be this uprising of there is going to be somebody to come. There is going to be this Messiah. There's going to be somebody that God sends that is going to make things right. And until then, God brought up prophets and and representatives that many times, if not most, were imperfect. They were imperfect, waiting for the perfect to come. We are Christians Because Jesus was and is the fulfillment of the promises of God. That's what it means to be a Christian. We believe that Jesus is the son of the living God. That God sent himself because nobody else could be perfect. Nobody else could be sinless. And this is what broke the chains of sin and death over our lives. And in this... We are called a royal priesthood, and we are a royal priesthood under the holy God. We have, you have, say me, yeah, you have direct access to God. And this is the good news of Jesus Christ. That's what the gospel is. That's what it means So what did Jesus mean that loving God and loving our neighbor as ourself fulfills the law? Well, let's look at it. Let's think of the Ten Commandments. Can you put up that first slide for me, please, Sheila? So the first four are our direct relationship with God. Just look at them. You shall not have any other gods before me. Our relationship to God. You shall not worship any graven image. You shall not take the Lord's name in vain. Again, our relationship with God. You shall remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Now, this one's a little borderline, but it really has to do with our relationship with God. We need rest. 
God created us like him in his image to need rest. Now, let's look at the opposite, or not the opposite, but the continuous. And that goes from 6 to 10. So God apparently realized that we need more laws, we need more boundaries, we need those bumpers to come up in regards to our relationship with each other. So, you shall honor your father and mother. And all the parents said, Amen. Amen. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not lie or bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet. These first four show that God is holy. God is to be honored. He is not to be treated like our buddy. We revere him. We surrender. We honor. We bow down. We exalt the living God. We are the created ones. If we love God with all of our being, we will not put anything above him. We will not entertain the worship of other gods. We will not put things above who he is. And if we love our neighbors as ourselves, we will not treat our parents poorly. We will not kill people we are supposed to love. We will not steal from the people we are supposed to love. We will not lie against them or covet of the things that they have. Why? Because we love them. That's why Jesus said, when you do these two things, you fulfill the law and the prophets. That's the fulfillment that Jesus put in two phrases. Love God, love man. Okay. Sounds easy enough, right? The question that we are looking at today is what happens when love and respect are not uh, reciprocated or returned to us? So we are doing this work to love God we are doing this work, this plowing of the field to love others, and we do it, and we are not met with the same love. What are we supposed to do with this? What happens when we did the best that we knew, we raised our kids the best that we knew how, and love is not returned it is always more personal. It is always more painful when it is a mother or a father or a grandparent or someone really, really close to us. The truth is, and I'm going to push back on some ideologies here, the, the Bible does not tell us if we just love someone, everything will be okay. I happen to know that for a fact. Any of you? But what do, it does tell us is that if we love God and we love people, we will be fulfilling the law. And that is what we are responsible for. That is what you are responsible for. My goals for us today is, number one, that you stop carrying guilt and shame for other people's decisions. Pastor Andrew, you brought up there's forgiveness that there's a need of forgiveness. Some of you are carrying the burdens and the shame for other people's decisions. And I, I pray that today you're able to walk out of this place saying, okay, Lord, I need to give this to you because it's no longer my responsibility. Number two, if you were the one that caused the hurt, there is hope for you. 
Although that doesn't mean your relationship may be what it once was, there is still hope for you and for me. Number three, we're going to see four things that King David did during one of the biggest betrayals of his life. The closest people to him, and we're going to look at his prayer together. So before I read Psalms 55, if you have your Bibles or your phones, you can go ahead and just turn to Psalm 55. We're going to read that in just a second. So for those of you who are here and you're like, okay, I don't really know this David guy, in the history of Israel, King David is the king. He is the one that, that when he ruled, that the country prospered. He listened to God. Even though he was far from perfect, he made some really big mistakes. We know that, that God said, although that these things have happened, he is still a man after my heart. And that's how we can connect with David, is saying, okay, yeah, maybe I've made some errors and some things that are not right, but at least we can strive to be people after the heart of God. And also, in the prophetic literature, it was prophesied and said that the Messiah, the king, the one that God would send, would be in the line of David. And Jesus is in the line of David. And so as, as we read this, there's, a, I believe, 23, 24 uh, verses here. I want you to be thinking of a king writing this in despair. I want you to be thinking of a king writing this in some of the absolute worst betrayal that somebody could go through. Okay, you ready? Yes, somebody? I just need one. Okay, there we go. Listen to my prayer, O God. Do not ignore my plea. Hear me and answer me. My thoughts trouble me, and I am distraught. At the voice of the enemy, at the stairs of the wicked, for they bring down suffering upon me and revile me in their anger. My heart is in anguish within me. The terrors of death assail me. Fear and tremble have beset me. Horror has overwhelmed me. I said, oh, that I had the wings of a dove. I would fly, fly away and be at rest. I would flee far away and stay in the desert. I would hurry to a place of shelter far from the tempest and the storm. Verse 9, confuse the wicked, O Lord, confound their speech, for I see violence and strife in the city. Day and night they prowl about its walls. Malice and abuse are within it. Destructive forces are at work in the city. Threats and lies never leave its streets. If an enemy were insulting me, I could endure it. If a foe were raising himself against me, I could hide from it. Listen to this. But it is you, a man like myself, my companion, my close friend, with whom I once enjoyed sweet fellowship as we walked with the throng at the house of God. Let death take my enemies by surprise. Let them go down alive to the grave, for evil finds lodging among them. But I call to God, and the Lord saves me. Evening, morning, and noon, I cry out in distress, and he hears my voice. He ransoms me unharmed from the battle waged against me, even though many oppose me. God, who is enthroned forever, I will hear them and afflict them. Men who never change their ways and have no fear of God. Verse 20, my companion attacks his friends. He violates his covenant. His speech is smooth as butter, yet war is in his heart. His words are more soothing than oil, yet they 
our drawn swords. Cast your cares on the Lord, and he will sustain you. He will never let the righteous fall, but you, O God, will bring down the wicked into the pit of corruption. Bloodthirsty and deceitful men will not live out half their days. But as for me, read this with me, I trust in you. Thank you, Jesus. Three years ago this month, I preached a message called, When Love is Not Enough. When Love is Not Enough. The funny thing about this was it is still to this day the most listened to message I've ever preached. Every single month, there's a new listen. For three years. For three years. What this tells me is that God is using this message because there's a lot of confusion between what it means when a Christian thinks, well, love conquers all. But what happens when love is not enough? And I I would like you to look in your Bible for when love conquers all. I'd like you to find it and show it to me. But what we do know is that we're supposed to love God and love man. And that is what we are responsible for. It doesn't say if you love someone with all that you have, everything will turn out perfectly. Do you know how many times I went home when I was in high school? Mom, I'm in love. I found the woman of my dreams. Well, the girl because that would be weird if I was talking about a woman in high school. And I can tell you for a fact that my love was not returned. <laughs> Most of the time. Man, we love love stories, don't we? Think of the movies that we grew up with. Think of Snow White. What does she need? First love's kiss to break the curse from the evil queen because love would conquer all, right? So we're, we're raised with this thinking. And I know modern movies have tried to adapt that, that kind of thinking as well. We need true love's kiss. And I can tell you that I haven't had one kiss that's that good. Ask my wife. She will confirm it. She will confirm it. My frustration, and guys, I'm speaking to you because you should agree with me, is when they leave that kind of, they end the movie after that kiss, right? They, or it says, happily ever after. What woman ever watched that and turned and looked at their spouse and said, yeah. <laughs> it's like this, just disappointment. Disappointment. This is what I want. I want the movie to start for us guys right after they lived happily ever after. And instead what we see is we see Snow White in the bathroom and her husband outside the door. I'm so sorry. Okay, I know I said it. I know it's kind of, I'm sorry. I was really short. I hadn't eaten yet. I'm sorry that I asked if you and Sleepy ever had a thing. I saw how he looked at you. I'm sorry that, that I even... come on some reality right guys and you're like yes that's my movie 
Okay, am I on my own here, or are there some guys with me here? Amen, thank you. Life isn't always that smooth. Sometimes things are totally out of our control. And I remember, man, you know, my, my wife and I, we, we've had to work through things. We, we've had things to, that we did not agree on. We had times where I messed up. I remember when, when I was, we, we moved to Hutchinson because we couldn't afford to live here. I mean, you guys know the big bubble in the late 90s and early 2000s. I mean, a young couple, there's just no chance, right? So we moved out to a place we could own a home. I was still working. We were met in the restaurant business. I was managing Tucci Benucci in the Mall of America, driving to Hutchinson, an hour and a half each way. I like to joke that my car was saved because I preached so much to my windshield. And I made this drive. Do you know what it's like being gone three hours a day that you're not paid for when you have young kids in the house? Not good. Not good. Not smooth. And I was, I was loving what I was doing. I was moving up. I was invited to go to Chicago and be a part of the team there. I, things were looking really good while Jane is at home alone with the kids day after day after day. And this became a wearing time in our marriage. It was so hard. Snow White's movie didn't talk about this part. There I was, and my love for my wife and my kids was not enough. It wasn't. I had all the love in the world for them, but I had a decision to make. I had a decision to make. What am I going to do? What am I going to do? What is in my power? I, made, I took a job that humbled me, it was difficult. I felt like I was going somewhere with one, and now I made a change for the best decision for my family. But little did I know that that was a step into starting to work in an area of mental health and working with juvenile delinquents and working with foster homes and adoption agencies. And that began to prepare a ministry for me later on when I became a youth pastor, later on when I became a senior pastor, that I never, ever would have had an understanding. Never would I have known. But God knew. But God knew. But the truth is, the ball was in my court, and there's something that I had to do, like, like David. I called out to God for him to rescue me. I cried out to God for him to hear me in my distress. I cast my burdens, I cast my cares upon God. And lastly, I put my trust in him. This was one of the most frightening and still one of the most difficult times in my life and in our marriage. It was at this edge of what is going to happen for the future of our lives together. What am I going to prioritize in my life? But it was a maturing one. It was a maturing one. I literally put my faith in Christ in these moments. There were times when I was young and I held my kids and I said, okay, Lord, I give my kids to you. I give my wife to you. But this was different. This time I gave them to God like I never had before. Lord, this is what I can do. This is what I can, can control and I pray that you see this and, and bless it. In Andy Stanley's book, Love, Sex, and Dating, <clears throat> he tells a story of a 
girl that came home much like I was in, in high school and getting excited, and she goes, Mom, there's this amazing guy. I have to tell you about him. And she listened like a great mom, and she's gushing over his walk with Jesus and his character, and that this man is the man of her dreams. Her mom said the most heartbreaking thing in this moment. She looked at her and said, a guy like that is not looking for a girl like you. This girl realized that what her mom was saying was true. She was promiscuous. She was out constantly partying. She had become the opposite of what she was actually looking for in a spouse. And it was her mom's words that helped guide her. At that point, she began to take the journey of becoming the type of woman that she would expect for herself to marry. The type of woman that she is looking for in a man that she needs to be that. And that was in her control. That was in her control. Healthy relationships are important for everyone, but Christians put an increased value on relationships because we believe that God desires for us to strive in unity and reconciliation. And Jesus is this example in 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 21. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us, we implore you on behalf of Christ be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who had or knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. This is why we value relationships, because God values us. God sent his son Jesus for us to be reconciled to the Father. So of course we value and we desire for us to be in unity and this shows us, number one, the first goal that I had, that even when we've sinned, even when we have hurt others, there is forgiveness. There is reconciliation, and there is new life in Christ waiting for you and waiting for me. That's good news. I know most of you here and listening online for... You, you are for reconciliation. You are for unity. You are for wholeness. But what happens when the other party does not want to reconcile? What happens when the other person or people do not accept responsibility for their own actions? And I, I just want to make it very clear about something here. If you were in some way physically emotionally or sexually abused by someone, I am not, and I repeat, I am not telling you that you need to go to them, confront them, or do some type of reconciliation. If that is the case, and you feel that God is directing you in that way, then you talk to counsel around you, you talk to maybe even a therapist, you pray about it, and you know for sure, because many times people are re-victimized when they put themselves in that position. 
You can still, when you've been harmed in those type of ways, you can still say, Lord, I'm giving this to you, and maybe you need to do it every minute of your life. But you give it to God. You give it to God, and you just begin the process of forgiveness by constantly putting it before him. But too many people who've, who've tried to do the right thing are re-victimized in this. So please use wisdom and the discernment from the Holy Spirit, okay? When you have done everything in your power, when you have put your best foot forward to bind up wounds, when you have asked for forgiveness, when you have not received an apology, when they have not acknowledged that they have done anything wrong, what are we to do? Well, let's go back to Psalms 55, and I believe that King David showed us in his prayer at least some steps that we can take when we have been wronged like this. Could you put up uh, the first one? It's the rescue me. So when I read this, I don't know, how many of you remember Forrest Gump? Right, a few Forrest Gumps. Now, I was, I, what, man, what year, did anyone know what year that came out, mid-90s? 94, thank you, of course you know. <laughs> in 1994, okay, so I was, in, I was in that high school time, and there was a scene that really, really, it hit me hard, and it was hard. Now, you guys, if you saw it, you know Jenny, right? Jenny. And there, when she was a little girl, Forrest went out there, and, and Dad come out, came out drunk looking for her, and this was an abused girl. And she got on her knees and she folded her hands and she said, Dear God, make me a bird and fly far, far away. Dear God, make me a bird and fly far, far away. Really, she was quoting Psalms 55. Oh, that I had wings of a dove, that I could fly far away and be at rest. When you have been harmed, when you have been hurt, be real like the psalmist. As he cries out, God, rescue me. Oh, that I could be like a bird to get out of here and go into the desert wherever, but that I could be away from this situation. Be raw, be real, cry out to God in your pain and ask him to rescue you. Number two, 16 and 17. Hear me, hear me, God, hear my cry. As for me, I call out to God, and the Lord saves me. Evening, morning, and noon, I cry out in distress, and he hears my voice. God hears you. Even when you don't feel it, even when you're, you're feeling like you're just talking to yourself in a room, God hears his children. After you've cried out to him, after you've seen God heal me, this is when God comes in. And this is verse 22. Cast your burdens, cast your cares upon God. Cast your cares on the Lord and he will, say he, he will sustain you. He will never let the righteous be shaken. And the last one, Trust him. Trust him. But you, God, will bring down the wicked into the pit of decay. The bloodthirsty and deceitful will not live out half their days. But as for me, as for me, I will trust the Lord. Would you please stand?
The parable of the prodigal son is a very powerful story of the father as representative of God and his children who have gone astray or like us. But the story that, the part of this story, you can come on up, that impacts me and I want us to be thinking about in regards to forgiving people, in regards to doing what we can, is that the father was always looking upon the horizon for his son to come home. When I have had hurts, when I've had pains, when I've had broken relationships, I say, Lord, may reconciliation come. That means that when I've done all that I can, I'm looking upon the horizon. I'm keeping my eyes open for when Christ brings that reconciliation. And I have loved seeing it through the years of relationships that were broken many times in no fault of our own. And, and whatever reason they were broken, we say, Lord, restore this, Lord, that was broken, that the enemy wanted gone. Restore it. Let's be like our Father. Let's be like the father and the prodigal son where we are looking over that horizon, when we are looking at broken relationships, maybe things that we had no control over. But we are looking and we are saying, oh God, rescue me. Oh God, hear, hear my cry. Heavenly Father, take my burdens upon you. Take them, Lord. I pray that you sustain me. And Lord, in this I trust you. In this I trust you, Lord. What do we do when love is not enough? We cry out and we put our faith in Christ. Amen. If you need prayer today, if you're just like, I need someone to agree with me in prayer, we're going to have our prayer uh, team. They're just going to be over on the side so you can just be out of the way and just to agree in prayer with you. But I want to encourage you this morning that if you are in one of these situations, if you feel like I'm talking directly to you, just take a minute and put your hands up and say, Lord, I'm giving this to you. I'm surrendering it to you. I'm casting my burdens and my cares upon you today. And Lord, I trust you with this, this thing that been, I've been carrying today. Let's worship. You've been listening to a message from Life Assembly. Connect with us online at lifemn.org. And thanks for listening.